1: This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Yak. And I am Courtney
0: Yak. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hot Hotties, welcome to your hot new hot year. Hot, hot, hotness. Yeah. It's not, we're not going to call it the new year. We're going to call it the hot year because that's what you are, hot.
1: <laughs> we are recording this on New Year's Day. Yes. And we are happy to be here, and we are a little tired to be here in a good way.
0: Like yeah, tired, sleepy. And you're lucky that Mama and Papa can't party like they used to because <laughs> this would not be happening no, even two, three years ago. So no, we'd still be awake and drunk. <laughs> Instead, we're <laughs> sipping on our coffees. Happy New Year. This is not about our New Year's Eve. We usually save the banter for the back, so we will do that from here on out. This is the heinous, insane actions of Sungnam Kwan Lasowski. This tiny nightmare is courtesy of our dear Deli Mozingo. Nah, Deli, yeah, did it again. A, yep, it's a slight reprieve from last week's horror show that I took you on, but it's pretty brutal. It's pretty rough. So strap in, everybody. So Sungnam Kwon Lisowski was born in South Korea, and not a lot was known about her early life, but we do know she got a full scholarship to one of the best colleges in Korea, leading her kids to say that she must have been a smart, brave, and confident young woman. While she was still in Korea, she met John Paul Lisowski, an American working overseas on assignment for Lucent Technologies. And I don't know entirely what Lucent Technologies does, but it sounds... Sexy and important. Yeah, it does. He was described as a wonderful person who was funny and incredibly intelligent. People close to John said that in the early years of their relationship, they both loved each other tremendously. They got married around 1989 and purchased an 11-room home in the affluent Stonebridge subdivision of Aurora, Illinois. And as you and I know so well, nothing good happens in Aurora, Illinois or Aurora, Colorado for some reason. So weird. So weird. The couple had two children. Victoria, the oldest, looked more like her dad with round eyes and lighter colored hair. The younger Christine more resembled her mom with the distinctly Asian eyes and darker hair. On the outside, the girls had an idyllic life. They took extended trips to Bali, Singapore and Hawaii. They also spent time living in various places overseas and rented out their home in Illinois. The girls posed for family photos and matching tweed outfits, and they were honor roll students, and their home was filled with first place ribbons for their piano recitals. But the outside world had no idea that they were living in a house of horrors. Oh, no. The girls were interviewed for Evil lives here on ID Channel, Mm -hmm. where they recounted their childhood experiences. Christine, the younger sister, doesn't remember a lot about her childhood. She actively tries to block out the details and mostly just remembers being really scared. Oh, no. Victoria, the older sister, remembers a lot. She said that her parents were at one time a great match for each other. Until Sungnam's entire personality changed. Uh,
1: why?
0: Nobody wants their mother's entire personality to change. Oh, please, no. Ugh. Just chills and ugh. Quote At some point, she changed and was an unrecognizable person from the person he met. Ultimately, she became a monster. Ugh, oh, no. Yeah. Victoria and Christine said that they loved each other very much. And they loved their dad too, but they couldn't say the same about their mother. Victoria said, I hated my mom. I hated being around her. I hated her for most of my life that I can remember. I hated her from a pretty young age. She described her mom as selfish and demanding. As a little girl, Victoria was forced to wake up at 6 a.m. and practice piano for an hour while Sungnam stood behind her and watched her mother held a stick in her hand and tapped it along to the beat. When Victoria played a wrong note or slouched, Sungnam hit her with the stick and forced her to start over. Mm-hmm. Victoria remembers, I just thought that's what happens when you mess up. Which, honestly, I think we all grew up seeing movies with that in it. Totally. So I think we all yeah. assume that's what how you learned piano. But to have that happen to you in real life at 6 a.m.? No. No. And while this was unnecessarily harsh, it was especially cruel considering that Victoria didn't want to play piano in the first place. Quote, my mom never asked me if we wanted to play the piano. She forced us to do it because that's what she wanted. This was more than a mom who wants kids to have a hobby. The only reason she beat me and forced me to practice so much so hard was because it made her look good. We would have recitals, piano recitals, and that's why she made us practice so much. It meant a lot to her to tell people I won a gold first place trophy at a piano recital. The sisters said that their mother's behavior was a slow, steady buildup. It started with selfishness and then rage developed alongside it. Victoria said "Sungnam's rage could be triggered instantly and they never knew what would set it off. Quote, I knew immediately from her face and just her demeanor that something bad was going to happen. When my mother was really upset, her lips would tighten and her face would change. Her body would, like, stiffen. Her eyes looked different.
1: No, those poor girls.
0: Yuck. And this rage was also paired with abuse. Both Christine and Victoria remembered being kids and arguing about something innocuous like sisters normally do. And when Sugnam came to the room and told Victoria that she had to apologize, but Victoria felt like Christine had been egging her on all day and didn't want to. Quote, I told my mom it was unfair. And then she started hitting my sister, beating her like with fists. And my sister was on the ground just cowering and trying to protect herself. And she wasn't stopping I screamed, stop, you're going to kill her. And she said, see what happens when you don't take responsibility? (gasps) No. No. I can't. I can't. I just, putting myself in the place of these girls and that constant fear of retaliation. mm -mm. Christine said that it was much easier to go along with whatever Sungnam said than to risk her punishment. Quote, she got angrier if one of us would intervene and try to help the other. She would have this punishment in mind, and then if something disrupted that, then it would escalate even further. Oh, God. For Victoria and Christine, this was a normal life. Sungnam's rage and abuse was something they had always known. Their mother had told them not to tell anyone, and they didn't dare disobey her and risk getting even worse punishments. And the children weren't the only ones subjected to Sungnam's anger. John was a target, too. Victoria remembers the police being called to their home for a domestic violence disturbance while she was at a sleepover. When she got home and asked her dad what happened, he told her that he had run into a tree or bumped into a door. no. But Victoria knew that he was lying based on the severity of his injuries. He had a cut on his face, a black eye, and a ripped shirt. Quote, he endured that for my sister and I. But it was always this deep fear, like, what's going to happen next time? Jesus. As the girls got older and John spent more time working overseas, Sungnam's punishments got more severe. Her behavior became more erratic and volatile. Christine said, I don't think that anything surprised me in terms of what sort of punishments she would have for us. Victoria said bluntly, she tortured us. Mm. Describing another punishment inflicted when the girls argued, Victoria said she beat us and then told us to go into the garage and hold our hands up and not touch the door and not talk to each other until she let us out. And she was very specific about that. Sungnam turned off the lights in the garage and left the girls sitting there holding their arms up in the sweltering summer heat. They were terrified of what she would do if they got up and opened the door. Christine said they sat there for what must have been hours until they finally accepted that their mom wasn't coming back to let them out. Oh, God. When they finally opened the door and went inside the home, they found that Sungnam wasn't even there.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. They described another punishment where Sungnam drove the car at excessive speeds, taking sharp turns left and right because the girls missed the school bus.
1: (laughs) God. So she
0: wasn't always like this, but she mostly was? With the girls? I think when she was, when they were little, she was just seemingly normal. But I think then it just, once she was, she was all the time, is the sense I get. She never was not like this. Uh, Yeah. It was like, not if a punishment was going to happen, it was sort of when. And so I don't know that she reacted to everything they did, but when she reacted, it just trying to miss the school bus, you're trying to get to school, and your mom's just making you feel like you're going to die on the way to school. It's that's so crazy. It's such a cool way to start the day. It's like, oh, live God. Live your life. And we've covered several of these cases where kids have to live in these houses and live with that anxiety of knowing you're not safe at all. Right? I can't. No. Quote, she didn't care if we lived or died. It was just like pure terror. And my heart's beating fast just thinking about it. I thought she was going to kill us. Ugh. As things continued to escalate, Sungnam began to go out drinking with her friends more and spending large amounts of money. On June 10th, 2002, Sungnam was pulled over at 1.22 a.m. She had a blood alcohol level of 0. 0.106, leading to a DUI charge. She pled guilty and received court supervision and was ordered to pay a fine. The family quickly went into debt and they risked losing their home. On one occasion, John confronted Soongnam about her spending and she began chasing him around the house and hitting him while John tried to catch her wrists to stop her blows. He was able to stop her from continuing to hit him and in retaliation, she called the police and told them that she was being hit by her abusive husband. When the police arrived, Victoria told them that her mom was the real aggressor, but the police failed to protect the family from her. Quote, they just left without helping us or my dad. It was really frustrating that they didn't seem to think it was a big deal. It just cemented the fact that there was really nothing we could do. On another occasion, John threatened to cancel Sungnam's credit card due to her spending. She left the study where they were arguing and returned with a knife. She pinned John up against the wall and cut his cheek as he cried and begged for her to stop. Oh, man. Christine said that it was terrifying for her to see her dad so scared. And when she thinks back on it now, she's sad knowing that he was afraid of his own wife. Mm -hmm. By 2002, Victoria was 14 and Christine was 12. John was traveling more for work and staying longer than usual. In the months leading up to Christmas, he had spent most of his time in China, and on September 5th, 2002, he wrote Sungnam an email saying he had met someone else and wanted to end their marriage of 19 years. Wow. And it went just fine. She was like, you know what? You're right. Cool.
1: No big deal. We
0: have been falling out. Things have not been the same lately. Let's amicably split and yeah. everything's cool. He told Sungnam that he wanted to take custody of the girls and he wanted to take them to live in China with him. Christine said it was a huge turning point for my mom because she could feel her control slipping away and she wasn't going to let that happen. Man. (laughs) So the family was very surprised to find that when John came home for Christmas, Sungnam started acting like an entirely different person.
1: Oh, God. What is going on with her? She's got
0: problems. Yeah. She was jovial and laughing, which struck the girls as odd. Puts oh, a chill right up my that. fucking neck and spine. Yeah,
1: I mean, this is all giving me Coraline vibes. Oh God, yeah. What's reality? What uh-uh. isn't? How do you, uh-uh. how do you navigate a world? No, like this? how do you
0: ever trust yourself no, to weird. read other people or be comfortable around people? Ever when your mom is, and you just of course want her to be nice and happy and try to enjoy those moments and just looking at her at the corner of your eye the whole time waiting for something to snap
1: yeah and unfortunately because abuse from men is more Mm -hmm. common and better understood to try to explain to the police or to friends or to anybody what nightmare you're living in and not be believed or can't be as bad as you say it is how could a woman scare a man so badly why isn't he stopping it, all of the things that would come with that to just make everything worse.
0: So Sungnam never joked around with the family and the girls weren't even sure that they'd seen a genuine smile from her before.
1: Oh my God. Um, No, Mm -hmm. no, no, no. Yeah. We know, I think we, we, weren't we just talking about the flat affect? Yes. Like the mom's... The studies they did with moms who don't show any emotion in their face to their babies, like they will, they'll interact with them and then they stop. Yep. And they don't react. It's not even mad or sad or no reaction. Yep. And the babies immediately go into super high levels of distress trying to get their moms to react to them. Yep. To never see your mother smile. Yeah.
0: It's so spooky.
1: (laughs) Those poor children. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because that's just how we read our self-worth.
1: And everything, your safety. Yep. Your, yes, we Mm -hmm. learn all of that as infants and babies and toddlers and children from our parents. What's safe, what isn't, what's normal, social cues, Mm -hmm. navigating through all of it. Yep. Having a place that's safe to come back to when you're not sure. And you just never get to have that. Uh -uh.
0: And not only that... You get evil smile. Yeah. And yeah, like, no. Glee in punishing and hurting and tearing down. Mm -mm. No. So on Christmas Eve, she insisted that they all go out for dinner as a family. When they returned home, Sungnam wanted to play board games together, something the family hadn't done in almost a decade. As they sat down to play their game with the house decorated for Christmas, They felt for once like a normal family. Oh, man. Singnam made snacks for everyone and passed them out with a glass of Coke. And almost instantly, Victoria and Christine looked at the bottom of their glasses and realized their mother had drugged Uh, their drinks. Of course she did. It's like fucking Belle Guinness. Yeah. She did the exact same thing. They had the family a treat, gave them all oranges Mm -hmm. laced with cyanide or whatever. Ugh. The girls just took tiny sips so that Sungnam wouldn't realize they knew. But John had no idea, and he drank the entire drink within a few minutes.
1: Oh, God.
0: Victoria said it felt just like a nightmare seeing him finish the whole Coke. I wish I could have taken it out of his hand and dumped it down the drain and said, Mom's trying to poison you and kill you, but she was right there. And the level of fear they had for their mother, they
1: didn't stop their dad from getting poisoned.
0: Right. Yeah. You know, that's yes. the level of control she had. Yeah. It's like when somebody breaks into your home and you just appease them and appease them and appease 100%. them. hundred percent. Well, I'm hoping sure Hoping for that- it to pass and for whatever, ha- okay, mom just wants us all to go to bed. So let's just drink our poison Coke and go no night and th- then we'll just be asleep and mom will have put us to sleep. Or, yeah.
1: Oh, or just having the understanding that if they let her know that they know what's happening, that she'll
0: right. find a new way to hurt them. Exactly. If we go to sleep, maybe she won't kill us. But if she knows that she wants, we know she wants us to go to sleep then she'll just kill us right now.
1: Right. Exactly. Uh-uh.
0: And if we don't fall asleep and dad does, then we can stay awake to save dad. God. Yeah. So John got sleepy very quickly and the girls had to get him upstairs and into bed. Victoria told him, I think mom's trying to kill you. To which John chuckled and said, I hope not. Christine remembers being terrified for her father, saying that they were pleading for him to just stay somewhere else. But he quickly fell asleep. No. And on Christmas morning, Christine and Victoria woke up at the same time in the room that they shared together They wished each other a Merry Christmas, and they both felt exhausted, but hadn't yet realized that it was probably due to the drink they'd been given the night before. Then the girls heard a noise from downstairs that sounded like a pot or frying pan falling and hitting the ground. No. They asked each other what the sound was, and the next thing they knew, their mom was in the doorway, fiddling with something in her hands. Ugh. She said, I'm so sorry, over and over again and then she lifted a gun at Victoria and unloaded all of the rounds. Oh, my God. Describing that moment, Victoria said, you hear the first noise, loud bang, and then just the sensation of, like, water being poured on you. No. But it's warm, and it's my blood, and it's everywhere. (sighs) And then the pain and the smell of burning flesh and the gunpowder. No. Christine was frozen in terror, unsure of what to do, but then she realized that Sungnam was reloading. Victoria screamed for Christine to call the police, and so she took off running. But to get to the phone, she had to get past Sungnam, who was still standing in the doorway. Christine managed to get to the phone and told the dispatcher that her mom was shooting them. Uh uh-uh. uh. But it wasn't long-Christmas long... morning. Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. Ha, here's some games and snacks and coke and then well, not night, I'm gonna you're gonna get a really special surprise from Santa in the morning in the form oh of God. me shooting you to death. <sighs> but it wasn't long before Sungnam caught up to her and was standing in the doorway once again. Christine ran past her, back out into the hallway. Sungnam began shooting at her, and on the 911 tape, Christine can be heard pleading for help and screaming. Sungnam is heard in the background firing multiple gunshots and screaming that they all must die.
1: Oh man.
0: Quote, I could see that my arm was flopping around. Oh stop. she could she completely shot through my elbow. Oh my god. Christine made it back into their bedroom where Victoria was still lying on the floor, and she managed to lock it behind her. They heard sirens in the distance, then a gunshot from the next room as Sungnam shot herself in the chest.
1: Mm.
0: The police arrived so quickly that the shots were still being fired as they broke the front door down. Holy shit. Yeah. Good for them. Miracle for upon in. miracles. Oh god, I have chills in my knees right now and my cheeks. Yeah. So many chills thinking about the fact that these girls fucking were able to act that quickly yeah. and they lived. I'm sure you know uh. because they've been telling the story from their point of view, but they survived getting oh, shot multiple God. times by their mother on Christmas morning. Victoria remembers the uncertainty of it all saying, we just laid there bleeding and not knowing if we were going to live or die. And I told her I loved her. And she said, I love you too. No. <laughs> poor, poor, poor no. sisters. No. Ugh. I can't believe that this actually happens. I can't. will no. just never Stop. I can't, yeah, I can't believe this actually happens. How is this not a fucking horrible, horrible made up story? (sighs) So it's unclear how much time passed, but eventually Christine and Victoria both woke up in the hospital. Victoria remembers being alone in a private room in the ICU with no idea where her dad and sister were. Victoria had been shot five times Wow! and suffered injuries to her abdomen, chest, lungs, and hands. Quote, when my mom shot me, I put my hands up to defend myself. One of the bullets went through three of my fingers on my left hand and they were dangling by the skin. Oh my God. There's a metal plate and screws in my fingers because there was no bone to even put back together. The metal is what's supporting my fingers. Wow. Christine was rushed to a children's hospital in Chicago. She was in critical condition. After being shot in the elbow, she was shot two more times. One of the bullets entered her chest and exited through her back. Oh, man. Today, she has a long scar from her breastbone down to her belly button from surgery. When the police came in to question them, they learned that their dad had been shot and killed by Sungnam.
1: No.
0: The sounds that they'd heard just after waking up were gunshots. John had been sitting at his desk that morning when Sungnam shot him from behind at point-blank range.
1: Mm.
0: He had been shot four times, once in the head and three times in the back. He was 46 years old. Mm -hmm. When asked by the producers of Evil Lives Here if Victoria had asked police if her mom had died, she said that she didn't care enough to ask, but she also didn't need to ask the police Because she knew her mother was alive because she had ended up in the room next to hers. No. Hospital. Ding, ding, ring, ring, ring hello Chicago general what the fuck <laughs> like seriously dude. clear a bed somebody in there has just got a little appendicitis or something they can obviously be moved over uh-huh come on yeah give the girl some space please she said she could hear her mother in the next room the entire time uh, oh my god no thank you I mean
1: <laughs> no that's not okay
0: Ring, ring, ring. Hello, Chicago hospital agencies. You got some splaining to do. What the fuck?
1: (laughs) Seriously, what is happening? How is that possible? I would not know. I don't know. That's Mm -hmm. not okay. Mm -mm.
0: The level of unsafety and uncertainty, knowing your mother is right there and she shot herself in the chest, but that doesn't matter. This woman is insane. Yeah, I would just be no. like laying there staring at the door waiting for my mom to be dragging herself and all of her IV tubes Absolutely. and things behind her like no. into the room to kill me. Yes. We've all seen enough horror movies to know that the killer comes back. She's, yes, she's rag right gonna do it. If she could, if she had a, one single opportunity to do it, she would have done it. And maybe mm-hmm. she was like handcuffed to the bed. I don't know, but still, uh-uh. You don't need to, the torture, the extended torture of hearing your mother who just tried to no. kill you and killed your father in the next room no. while you no, try no. to recover from said gunshot wounds. No, who's
1: tortured you your whole life and abused you <gasps> and made you feel terrified for as long as you can remember?
0: I need a I need some answers. <sighs> yeah. So during Syngnam's conversation with police, she told them that she planned the attack because she didn't want her husband's mistress raising her children. Wham, wham, wham. I, that would be really difficult. I get it. But mm-hmm. also, there, you had proactive opportunities to not have that happen.
1: Well, and there's like 7,000 other things to do to not yeah, yeah. To keep that from happening.
0: Yeah, you go to court yeah. and you prove mm-hmm. the fact that you're a good mom and that your husband can't take your children to China but that was not going to happen because you're a terrible, terrible, terrible person and an yeah. extremely abusive, an abusive. woman, yeah. and there was a history of domestic violence and DUIs and et cetera, and you knew you were not going to yep. win, yep. and that was not on them. So unbeknownst to the family, Soong Nam had purchased a thirty eight caliber snub-nosed revolver on December 17th from a sporting goods store. She received it three days later and had been shooting targets at the gun range ever since. Merry Christmas. No. The next day, locals put up a memorial for the family outside of their home, made up of flowers and a white cross with John's name on it. A child placed a poinsettia near the mailbox and told reporters that Victoria was her and her little brother's babysitter.
1: Hmm.
0: Both children had written a note attached to the poinsettia that read, Please God, watch over and protect Vicky and her sister. <laughs> After the girls recovered from their injuries, they went to live with their aunt and uncle in New England. And when Sungnam recovered, she was arrested on first-degree murder and attempted murder charges. It took nearly four years to bring the case to trial, while Sungnam's mental health was evaluated by professionals and debated in court. Her attorney argued that she was mentally unfit for trial, telling the court he was unable to communicate with her. This is an acceptable reason that someone may be found unfit to stand trial. In short, a person is unfit for trial if a mental disorder causes them to be unable to defend against the charges they are facing or unable to tell their lawyer what they want to do with their case. (laughs) If a defendant's mental disorder causes them to not be able to communicate with their lawyer and tell them, even in basic terms, what they want to do with their case, then the defendant is unfit. (laughs)
1: interesting
0: yeah so i'll just be like just stare at them (laughs) right uh we're gonna call mistrial for reasons of just not just non-communication ignoring me completely yeah which would be a feat it's always interesting to me how strong the human urge to confess is or to share in so many cases like I think about Chris Watts and how mm-hmm. he just told them. They never would have found them. They never would have found that those little sweet girls and the, his yes. wife in the fucking oil barrels. Yeah, But his dad just broke him, a part of him, and he just told him everything. And that is crazy oh, to me. God. So the psychopathy and just to be able to not communicate mm-hmm. after doing what you did to your family, it's like... For some reason, that little detail makes it, yeah, all that much more like diabolical and dark. So in December of 2003, the trial judge agreed with Sungnam's attorney and ruled that she was unfit for trial. But being unfit for trial doesn't mean the defendant never goes to trial. Instead, they are sent to a mental health facility for treatment until the mental disorder no longer prevents them from being able to defend themselves against the charges. When this occurs, the defendant is deemed fit for trial. I just imagine her like being a Hannibal Lecter in there. Mm -hmm. Spooky to imagine like being somebody who has to treat this woman.
1: Yeah. No, thank you. And
0: I know that's just what you do, you know, if you work in like a maximum security mental health facility, but yeah. In Sungnam's case, she received residential treatment at a state run facility. By 2004, she had a new attorney who argued that Sungnam was still unfit for trial because she was unable to discuss her trial and didn't understand the legal proceedings. She told her new attorney and mental health professionals that she believed John was alive and living in China with their daughters, where he was preparing for the Olympics in China. Weird. Yeah. But many legal and mental health professionals saw through her ruse. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh-huh. The assistant state's attorney in the case said, quote, she is unwilling, not unable. She is able to cooperate if she chooses. He also said, we agree she is mentally ill, but also narcissistic, arrogant, and an alcoholic. He said she knows what she did, and she's in a state of denial and doesn't want to face her trial. Mm -hmm. Between 2002 and 2005, she attempted to take her life three times, and another prosecutor said, quote, she is bizarre and getting worse who added that she had been under psychological care since 1994. She was evaluated by mental health experts who concluded that, quote, she is able to function normally in the county jail and is no more depressed than other inmates awaiting trial for such serious crimes. She was finally deemed competent to stand trial in September of 2004. For what it's worth, Victoria doesn't think her mom's actions were driven by mental illness. And I totally agree. Mm -hmm. She was so premeditated. She obviously is not mentally well, but she knew exactly what she was doing. And there's no way she did those things and then just like slipped and couldn't hold it together anymore after buying a gun and practicing at the range to shoot your family to death on fucking Christmas Day after drugging them on Christmas Eve. 100%. Yeah.
1: And if if the story had been... Flipped and it was a dad doing this, I don't think the mental health would have come into question really at all. It oh, good would have just point. Yeah. Diabolical, evil father it, abusing his wife and children and oh, killing them. Such a good point.
0: Victoria also doesn't think that she was ever unfit for trial. She believes that her mom was a psychopath. Yeah. I think my mom is evil. She chose to do what she did and it was evil. And I agree. <laughs> And I that's the one that's a little point that I need some answers. I need some explaining mm-hmm. happening. I don't understand evil psychopathic behavior. Where does it no. come from? Please and thank you. Right? So on Thursday, October 26, 2006, Sung-nam pleaded guilty but claimed she was mentally ill. She was sentenced to 45 years in prison, and at the time of her sentencing, she was 45 years old. It's like a golden sentence.
1: Yeah. God.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, it's not funny, but it's kind of funny. Jesus, God. Uh Her attorney scheduled another hearing for January 8th, three months later, to determine if she should get treatment in a state mental hospital. Victoria and Christine never visited their mother while in prison. This didn't prevent her from contacting them. Mm -mm. She wrote them dozens of letters over the years. None of them offered an apology or made any attempt to make amends. In one letter dated June 8th, 2008, Singnam wrote to congratulate Christine on graduating high school. No. It reads Dearest Christine, congratulations on your graduation, baby. Like, do Uh -uh. not call me baby. Not even if I have a really good relationship with you. No, do not get to use pet names. No, thank you very much. That's chilling. Good luck in your endless bright future. You can go fuck yourself because guess what? It's Uh not endlessly bright after my mom tortured me for years and then tried to shoot (laughs) me to death.
1: (laughs) For a minute, I thought you you were reading the letter still and just switched. (laughs)
0: Good luck. Fuck you. No, she did. She wrote, Good luck in your endless bright future. She also wrote, God bless you and peace to you. Also, no no peace here, Mom. No No peace. You ruined that chance. I can't imagine that Christine has more than 10, 15 minutes of peace in a day if she's lucky. No.
1: No.
0: Christine said that these letters didn't mean much to her after everything Soongnam had done. Quote, I stopped reading them. It's just like, what is the point of this? She's not trying to take any responsibility, even though she did all those horrible things. But Nam still continued sending them. A birthday card dated January of 2020. No. Reads, hey, beautiful. No. Wishing a wonderful birthday for a wonderful and beautiful person. I hope your day holds more good things than you can count. Happy birthday. No. Oh, no, I don't like it. No. That almost is somehow weirdly worse to me than all the other horrible things she well, did. just piling up all the horribleness yeah to and also to continue to claim them in any way you don't get to claim Mm -hmm. them you try to take their lives you try to Mm -hmm. kill them you try to put them not on this earth anymore you don't get to have uh, pretend warm feelings for them no after serving 20 years in prison sungnam took her own life she used her bunk bed and a bed sheet to hang herself Victoria said that she's not saddened by her mother's death, saying that was her decision and all the other things she did were her decision as well. So I really feel no sadness.
1: Yeah.
0: Christine feels the same way. Honestly, I'm really relieved because there's no more damage she can do. I feel like now that she's gone, we have closure, which I <sighs> bet. I bet. Uh, yeah, 100%. Yeah.
1: Justified feelings. Yes. Not that you need me to justify your feelings, but... Those
0: right there, totally justified. Yes. i be like, oh, thank God. She'll just stop. Because even if you're not reading your mother's letters, you know she's still coming for you. You know she's yes. still tempting. When you stop to brace yourself to even see them in the mail. No. Yep. Nope. So this time of year is hard for their family, understandably. <laughs> mm-hmm. But Christine says that it's hard on pretty much every holiday. Quote, it's hard to see other people with their families. And it's probably little consolation to know that many people feel this way around the holidays. That's not part of the quote. That's Deli's Deli's words. Yeah. yeah. If you're one of these people, please know that it's completely normal. Mm-hmm. Whether you're struggling with depression, dealing with grief, have com- complicated family dynamics, or just don't enjoy this time of year. Know that you have people in your corner who love you and care about you. This won't last forever. You'll just get through it like you always have. True statement, Deli Pants. Yes, ma'am. Delhi Deli Pants. Delanor Rosa Pants Delanor Rosie Pants (laughs) Victoria has desperately clung to the sentiment quote the main thing that always kept me going even in my deepest depression was the hope that one day it could be better Mm -mm. there's a way out and nothing is impossible you can have a happy life and the life you always dreamed of she has that now her dream was to own a home on the water which she recently purchased She still goes to therapy once a week, and things are okay. Quote, I feel happy and loved and safe, and I'm really close to my sister. Oh, good. At the time of her interview, Christine was eight months pregnant. She is now given birth and has a baby girl of her own. She looks forward to loving her unconditionally and breaking the cycle of trauma for the generations that come after. (laughs) (laughs) Who? (laughs) Who? (laughs) Who? (laughs) Who? (laughs) Who? Chill. Cycle breaking, cycle breaking. And that, my precious angels, is the fucking horrible story of Sungnam Lasowski and her bad brain. She's got a wow. bad, bad, bad brain.
1: A very really bad brain. <sighs> Good one, Deli. That's so
0: scary, awful. chilling, so scary, monstrous, yes. unforgivable, unthinkable, unfathomable. And Christine and Victoria, for some reason, you decide to listen to this fucking standing ovation slow clap that turns into a big, huge, long, hard clap. Good God. (laughs) You did it. You're done with that. I'm so, so sorry. So sorry. But I'm so glad that they were able to, like, dig dig into their little hearts and their souls and pull out enough bravery to run towards your mother as she's shooting you after all that abuse (laughs) And no. not just, like, take it, you know? Seriously. like no. to have that heroic action to, A, survive getting shot five times while your sister runs towards your mom, gets shot, Mm-mm. and Mm-mm. calls police, gets back into the bedroom, locks her out, and saves the day. Cool. What the fuck?
1: Yeah. Unbelievable.
0: That is so much terror to push through. <laughs> After being broken down and beaten down for decades, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And they were little teenagers or like adolescents, little preteens. Uh-uh. No. God. Jesus. The will
1: of people Mm-mm. to survive and I will never get over
0: uh-uh. it. It's so incredible. It really is. Yeah, human beings are phenomenal. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: You know what I mean? Yes. And like when you really look back at your life, even if you haven't, Felt like you've done much in a year. I personally really like the new year because I'm very sentimental and also look for meaning in everything, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> for better or worse. I look back on a year and like my friends came over and we were just recounting the year, and you're like, oh my god, what a difference a year can make. And if twenty two, yeah. if you're listening in twenty twenty three, you just laid on the couch, that's fine. Yeah, but know that if you don't want to do that, then find people who can help you push past that feeling. But if you were also, if you're somebody who doesn't want to lay on the couch or in a bed or in a beanbag chair or mm. flat on the ground, you, it is amazing to me how much shit can change in a year. My life is yes. completely different today than it was uh, one year ago today.
1: Yeah.
0: Like completely different. I live in the same house, you know, but the things that I was doing and looking forward to and stressing about last year are not here anymore.
1: Right. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? Yeah.
0: Yep. And some of it's really sad, but most of it is incredibly empowering and powerful and freeing and hopeful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you need to know that shit can completely change in a day in an mm-hmm. hour it's true it's fucking weird like you can wake up in one reality and and like go to sleep that night in a completely different reality for better or worse but i'm talking about the better part of it
1: 100 percent. you know yep so
0: oh <sighs> good on you christine and victoria good yeah. fucking work and please enjoy the beautiful lives that you have now As best you can. And if there are days that you need to lay flat on the ground, fucking do it, honey pie. You just have a little, (laughs) the federal government should issue cards that are just like, my mom shot me and my sister on Christmas and killed my dad on Christmas morning.
1: Uh And so if someone walks up
0: to you and you're like laying on a park bench and the police are like, ma'am, you just, and they're like, carry on. Exactly. (laughs) Oh oh yes, of course, of course. Yeah, you're just being weird in public, <laughs> crying, throwing things. I was like, oh god! And the mall security comes up, and you just hold up the uh, like, yep. No, yep, everyone, uh, give them space. Give them space. Mom tried yep. to kill them on Christmas Day, so they're gonna be throwing some of Annie's pretzels for a while. That's right
1: here's a here's a weighted blanket and mm-hmm. um, some white noise,
0: brown noise. <laughs> Just throw. You just throw all the Annie's pretzels. We have insurance for these things. <laughs> oh, quick! Uh, access the pretzel fund, please.
1: The trauma <laughs> pet pretzel fund. We'll pay uh, back Annie's.
0: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There, Seventy-five Annie's pretzels have been thrown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's put in a claim, but let's let the ladies throw the pretzels. Throw. <laughs> <laughs> One time when Sadie and I were in college, and we've mentioned this before but it's been a while we worked at a group home for teenage boys with disabilities and emotional disturbances that was the very super relaxing job that we took to put ourselves through college yeah and at the age of 20 I found myself as the manager the boss (laughs) manager of the group home I made ten dollars an hour I was Mm -hmm. 20 years old and I was raising four teenage boys who were uh, between two and four years younger than me
1: it's so crazy Mm -hmm.
0: And one of them who was my angel, ha- I don't know what, we don't know what was wrong with him. I've never really ever heard of a case that was so out of control and wild as this sweet boy. But he would get what he called the tingles, which I know Sadie is getting triggered by as it, when <laughs> I say that word. And then he would snap. He was such a sweet kid, but he was um, probably 6'2" weighed two fifty, huge child and very uh, capable of destruction. Yeah. But he would say he was getting the tingles and then all hell would break loose. And all of the windows in the house were plexiglass because he'd smash them all. He would pull the refrigerator over. He would throw, th- I mean, it was chaos. And one day I decided like a tiny, tiny superhero, 110 pound superhero, that I should take three of the four boys to the mall with me. <laughs> And two of the boys wanted to go and look at Nike's in the shoe store. And he was like, no problem. And this individual who gets the tingles and I uh, were, I thought it would be a cool idea to just chill in the middle of the mall and be patient while the two boys went to look at the Nike's in the shoe store. And this boy said, no, thank you very much. And started slamming his fists against a plate glass window that was probably 20 by 40 (laughs) and somehow remained intact. And then beelined it to the aunt, the cookies. What are the cookies? Um, Oh, uh, I don't think um, they exist anymore, but they were very popular in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, God. Not aunt, not Not uh, aunties, but it's a lady's name. Yeah, but God, I don't know. Mary Sue's. Yeah, so let's say Mary Sue's cookies. And it was like a kiosk. It, it was not even a store. It was just like a little pop-up kiosk <laughs> of these fucking cookies. And like two or three teenage, tiny teenage girls were working the cookie stand. And he just busted in there like a bowl in a china shop, started jamming these cookies into his <laughs> mouth and throwing them down the mall and just ca- like... <laughs> Chaos erupted in Mary Sue's cookie kiosk. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm following him in there. He literally dragging me. I'm hanging on to his shirt and he's dragging me into the cookie kiosk. <laughs> <laughs> the curls are just like, they get out of the way and I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. Yeah, he's got disabilities, you know, like ah! yeah. I'm trying to explain also without like breaking confidentiality in this mm-hmm. moment. <laughs> Oh, my God. And uh, so, yeah, they just cleared the way. And we just let him just jam down 50, 70 cookies in his face. Four. (laughs) I don't even know. But it was slow motion fucking chaos. Chaos. And the the security guards showed up and were incredibly fucking kind to us. Good, Yeah. And calmed him down. And (laughs) the two boys come out of the shoe store. I mean, it was probably the entire episode was like five to seven minutes long. I don't know. But, of course, it felt like it was like 45 minutes to an hour. And the other two boys come strolling out of the other shoe store. Like, hey, hey, so. like the, the entire security brigade is there. Probably the local police.
1: Like,
0: so, yeah. The point is, if you can destroy a Wetzel's pretzels or an Annie's pretzels or a fucking Mary Sue's cookie Cinnabon. Kiosk, Cinnabon. Yeah. Just go for it, man. The, the, the chances of people really getting that upset are pretty low. It's true. Decide. It feels good to grab all those little softy, softy brussels and just yeah. crush, crush them in your fist them. and throw because yes. you're having a bad day. Ooh, I just think maybe I have <laughs> plans now today. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, in 2024, let's just be true to ourselves and... Mm-hmm. Don't necessarily destroy property, but a little bit of cookie destruction is never going to hurt anybody.
1: <laughs> Maybe bake yourself some
0: cookies. Make sure it cools off and then yeah. squish them and squish throw them and them, smush them. how it feels. Yeah. Whatever. We're just going to do that now. We're yeah. going to be honest with ourselves. We're going to be mm-hmm. forthright and honest. And when we're having a hard time, we're just going to express that in whatever way we need to. So Seriously. Get out there and get weird, guys. Life is short.
1: (laughs) And now, Courtney got two huge bean bags for my children for Christmas, and all I want to do now is lay in them.
0: When I was buying them, I was on the phone with Sadie, and I was like, "Should I get the three foot or the four foot?" And if you ever need something measured, I'm put me at the very bottom of the list of people to call. (laughs) I have no idea what length is. I have no idea, no concept of measurement. Sadie's like, what's well, the price difference? And I was like, ten dollars. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to get him the four foot because I just didn't want him to be like so perched like on a pebble. Right? Was what I had in my yeah. head. Turns out four feet is big as fuck. <laughs> it's like a <laughs> circumference too. It's not one four foot in one direction. That is four foot in no, every all the way around direction. <laughs> it's so big. So the things show up, and of course they're hyper compressed because beanbag chairs. It's misleading it's like foam bag chairs is what they are memory foam
1: (laughs) there are no beans to be had no
0: (laughs) they're compressed down to probably like a foot by a foot and they were incredibly heavy that was the 95 pounds of bag. yeah so block we kind of knew what was coming but not really and then the boys opened them on christmas and they were so compressed they had been zipped up in these bags. So they're compressed down in plastic and then zipped into these bags. And the boys started unzipping the bags and then they got a quarter of the way. And we're like, we can't open these. And we're like, come on. No, they were so compressed. No. None of us adults. Sadie's very strong husband could not do it. And so I just start ripping the bags to shreds. and Like a wild animal. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So I'm just deliriously shredding these bags and the bags come out. And I was like, "Oh God, I might have made a mistake." And they, <laughs> they hadn't even fluffed yet at that. No, point. and they plump over hours, four hours. Later. <laughs> it was like, I was like, "You guys might have to move." Like these are so <laughs> huge; they're huge because they're also like four feet tall.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're <been> so big,
0: <laughs> but turns out in the end, it was the best decision uh-huh. that we've ever collectively made because those things are so fucking comfortable
1: they're so comfortable i really i really love them and find reasons to go lay in them yeah and i love them they're so comfy i miss them you have my morning coffee i read a book the boys use them too but mostly it's now mine mom mom's spot well this is the lesson that you take away from the story is number one my poor children are uh, neglected clearly yeah and number two When you have little children and you never get to sit down or, like, eat food or sleep or anything that you enjoy doing or have a quiet moment or say hello to your spouse or whatever that looks like for you, suddenly, and it switches overnight, sort of like what Courtney was saying, your year starts one way and then by the end of the year, you're having a rave in (laughs) giant-ass beanbag (laughs) chairs with your children. and. I, there were times when they were little, I would, of course I enjoyed it, but I felt there were lots of times, mostly because my anxiety and depression that I felt like I was never going to enjoy my life again in the same way I used to. And that was one of those moments where I was able to, because it went on for so long, really take it in and be like, holy shit. Yeah the whole Christmas was so lovely and enjoyable and buying them games and things that I knew that I would enjoy too. And mm-hmm. I, fi- I finally feel like we fit together in a way that's really genuine. Yeah. I agree. That I didn't always feel like it's, I think it's harder when they're little and you have to play pretend basically, or you have to care for their every need and worry about them falling down and breaking their schools over or whatever, yeah. you know, um, it's just hang in there and, I loved it. It was so fun. <laughs> so it's the
0: best. It's the best. Yeah, it's like having family.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. I know.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really fun. I enjoy them so much. I enjoy teaching them. I enjoy guiding mm-hmm. them. I enjoy just browing down with them. I enjoy all of it, and the feeling yeah. feels mutual. Like I feel totally. it feels like we're all in it together, and it's totally. lovely. It's absolutely fucking yeah. lovely. But yeah, yeah, just vibing out on the beanbag chairs, like this is a really amazing moment <laughs> <laughs> and they I weren't like out jinx let's do something then. else so we just were all like yep so that's into exactly it. what we want to do right now no amazing it's amazing and one last thing and we'll wrap it up it's a bit of a obviously we're not going to do name time or shouty outies today just because it's literally happy new year yeah january 1st <laughs> in the morning um we got a message and I will respond to this person privately, but we got a message from a 17 year old who's struggling, who's just really feeling unsure and overwhelmed. And I, first of all, it, it's, I don't know, I just assume that everybody listens to this podcast is my age because that's, mm-hmm. that's how the brain human brain works. But I cannot, if you are young, if you are under the age of 40, basically, mm-hmm. if you are over the age of 40, but certainly if you're under the age of 40, You have no idea how, like, it's going to make me cry. You have no idea how wonderful your life is going to be and how Mm -hmm. much you have to look forward to. It's like the trick of life is that by the time you realize how much you've enjoyed it and how hard it's been and how miraculous it all is, you are... Older. And I know that I'm still very young and I have a lot of fucking life to live. Totally. But honey, sweet baby, God, you have no idea how good it's going to get. You can't even begin to fathom the Mm -mm. feelings and the adventures and the miracles that are in store for you. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. it'll come in its own time and you don't have to rush it. And if you're feeling overwhelmed, then let's take steps to get you to a place that you are equipped to experience everything that is coming. Because let me tell you, it is amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing out here. So we love you and we got you and get excited kid, because Jesus, <laughs> Ugh, I'm, yeah, so I'm so jealous I'm so jealous I'm so jealous of my not. own self like a year ago you know I'm like oh honey had yeah. I any idea I'm 44 I'm 44 and I, I had experiences this year that made me feel like I was 17 mm-hmm. like they were so fun and life changing you just keep finding these things you know? yeah it is also very hard year I'm low-key depressed still over some things at the Mm -hmm. same time I'm simultaneously so inspired and free so don't worry buckle up yeah don't worry it's gonna get it's gonna get real fucking good I promise I promise
1: yeah absolutely I'm just saying that that part out loud, I think helps so much to admit that you feel afraid. and you're not sure. And that's really normal. Yep. Really, really, really normal.
0: Yep. And if you would ask my friends who are my age, who have recently started to overcome anxiety and depression, I think if you would ask them how much good shown up amidst the hard, I think mm -hmm. they'd be like, yeah, it's totally worth it. Totally. You know, it really is. And you will find it. Yep. It's there. And you have more resources at your disposal now than ever before. we just got to take steps to help each other find the things that we need that will get us past those feelings of depression and scared and overwhelm. Totally. So,
1: and if you're faced with a question of three foot
0: or four foot beam bag. Mm, four foot. Four foot. Do it. <laughs> don't even think about it. <laughs> You'll figure it out on the other side and you're better for it. Hesitation, just waiting for the thing, for everything to fall into place just the way it's supposed to. Nah. Uh -uh. You'll find a place for your four foot I promise. Oh my God. That's the only piece of furniture you have in your whole house. fine. fine. Yeah. You won't (laughs) regret it. it. Definitely won't regret it. Your guests won't (laughs) regret it. You know, (laughs) Oh, we love Uh, you so so much. much. Happy New Year. Thank you for being here. so much. If you want to spend more time with us, we are on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at They Will Kill. We have a website, theywillkill.com, and you can always (laughs) email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com.
1: You can rate, review, and subscribe to us. Yes, please. If you want to. That would be super cool. And thank you, AJ Bergens, for your music. Thank you so
0: much. And remember. Yeah, you got it. You got it, cutie. You got it. Yep. You got it in you. You got it in, it. You. You, got it in some you. cookies. You got it in you. Lay around on a beanbag. You. Lay on your beanbag, throw the cookies, smash the cookies, uh, get medicated, get, yep. get a therapist, go yeah. on a vacation, your feelings.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: go go to a foreign country, woof, look up woof, W-W-O-O-F, you're poor yep. like I was. Yep.
1: AmeriCorps.
0: Yep. AmeriCorps is also another option. Peace Corps, Job Corps there are ways to get out of the space that you are in and find a new way to live and you deserve it and we love you
1: yes we do until next week
0: till then happy new year <laughs> an old acquaintance <laughs> be <before> god and <laughs> a son and old and sign we love you, love you. goodbye goodbye